Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We're continuing our um, 40 Days of Thanks, uh, as you can see. And uh, this morning, uh, today, I'm going to do uh, a twin message. Um, it's a, a mini-series within a series, as it were, uh, on uh, Jacob uh, and a revelation he has um, when he meets with God uh, on his journey. Uh, as he leaves his father's house and he, as he's looking for what God is going to do in his life, uh, as he has sort of run away, he's in a place of tension. And uh, so we're going to be going over that, um, that uh, uh, mini-series. It says in Jacob's, uh, sorry, it says in Genesis 28 and verse 10, it says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, so that he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and as its top reached to heaven, and there were angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you, and your descendants also, um, your descendants also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. There is no, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob arose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put at his head and set it as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. You know, um, when Cheryl and I uh, were in our early years of marriage, uh, I, I love um, seeing all the, these young couples and they're getting married and uh, uh, Cheryl and I were very young when we got married. Cheryl was 19, uh, I was 22 uh, and uh, we were actively involved in leadership and ministry of our church and uh, we um, had started a youth ministry on the streets of our local town. And uh, I've, I've shared this story many times, but in that, um, on that, lo- in that local town, it was a, just an old, it was just a rough market town. Um, and uh, the kids, there were, the, the, the kids on the streets, um, you know, a lot of people say the kids of today, how bad kids are and the drugs. Are, let, me, let me tell you something. It was a lot worse then. 
And uh, <laughs> what the kids got up to then, uh, you just don't want to know. And uh, there was, they, they were actually involved in, these are teenage kids actively involved uh, on, in serious drugs, doing LSD uh, right in front of our eyes. Um, there were sexual activities going on in the street right in front of your eyes. It just happened all of the time. And these were the kids, these were the rough kids. And we started reaching out to them. And uh, we just, we had a ball and we were just having fun, um, just reaching these kids and, and praying like crazy when, when fights would take off. And, and sometimes we'd gather these kids together, but you know, how many of you know that you're only one step away from a riot when you've got, when you've got kids like that together? And, and so we had, um, we had a, on a couple of occasions near riots taking place and we had to pray in tongues and cry out to God to, 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 you know, because we would probably get arrested as well. And, and, uh, but we started seeing kids saved and healed and miracles started taking place. And, and uh, as that happened, so we started to get opposition. And we started getting um, attacks and people were um, phoning us up in the middle of the night and knocking on the doors and, and uh, banging on the windows and, and really just sort of giving, making life very difficult for us. And, and I remember on one particular night, actually right at the end of this um, kind of season, uh, challenging season that we were going through, um, these, these um, kids who were, there was a strong connection of the occult with some of them, probably occultic parents or something. There were certainly a lot of occultic activity going on. And uh, so one of these particular, or maybe in a few of them, they come and they bang really loudly on the front door. We lived on a ground floor masonette. And um, they come and they banged on the banged on the door and, and uh, they, um, I, I got up and, and uh, I clearly wasn't going to open the door and, and uh, the, the kids start shouting, is Lucifer there? Is Lucifer there? And they're obviously thinking it's going to freak me out and uh, you're trying to invoke the name of Lucifer would somehow put some kind of fear in me. And uh, so, so I responded by saying, um, Lucy who? And... Uh, <laughs> And they were going, Lucifer, no, Lucifer doesn't live here. I, I've, I've no idea who she is. And, they're going, and they were going, no, Lucifer. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, no, I don't know her. I'm sorry. And it kind of stopped after that, you know. <laughs> but the thing, that I, the thing that I noticed was that in these challenging seasons, we found that we were resting in the house of God. And what I love about this story is that Jacob, having received a blessing he technically shouldn't have had, having gone on the run, keeping one step away from his brother, looking for what he might do, he encounters God in the most difficult of places and he discovers in the hardest of places that that is where the house of God existed. And he turned the dark place into the house of God. You know, we were often looking for um, a place where we can get to the house of God. But the house of God is where your trouble is. And this is what happened to Jacob. And what I love about this story is that he is on this journey. And it says um, in verse, um, where are we? It's quite a long um, piece of scripture here and it says in verse 11 so it says so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set now I need you to understand that 
when we look at our lives, we, we look at sunset and we look at the end of the day as the beginning of night time. And night time is one of those things that many people, and there's quite likely there are people here that struggle with their night times. A lot of people don't sleep well. A lot of people don't sleep well. A lot of people struggle with, the sleep, with their sleep. And what also is that we tend to look in terms of hope for the morning rise, don't we? The next morning. When the morning comes, then we, we kind of feel like that's the new day. That's the, the beginning. But I, I need you to understand that the day for God begins at sunset, not sunrise. You see, in the Old Testament... A man in his sin, a man who has sinned or been defiled or just separated from God, he was unclean until sunset. Then he was free. He was free at sunset. So his day started, his new day started when the sun went down, not when it came up. Now look at this in Exodus 27 and verse 20 to 21. This is the establishment of the tabernacle. And it's important to understand the tabernacle because the tabernacle is a physical fr- structure of what God is building in the house. It's, it's an understanding of, of how God works with us. And here we have an, a, um, the establishment of the tabernacle and the um, holy place where the lamp the lampstand is built. And it says in Exodus 27 verse 20, and it says this, And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually in the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony. Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. So God said, until evening, until morning, the lamp must burn. You see, when the sun goes down on our lives, the Holy Spirit burns brighter in your heart. When the sun goes down, the Holy Spirit rises up and says, you think your day has just finished, but your day is just beginning. You think that things are getting tough, but in this tough moment, the day of grace has just begun. In, the, in this day of darkness, my light is going to cause a miracle to take place in your life. And so we begin to see that, that God wanted Jacob to understand that as the sun has set, That is not the end of your day. Your day begins when the sun sets because that's when God's grace is poured out all the more. And so we look at our natural lives and the darkness and the hard challenging seasons and we feel like it's gotten dark. We were... um, just uh, we were talking about different movies. We were going to looking for a movie to watch, and we were flipping through. Often Cheryl has very very high standards. She keeps the house holy, and uh, we uh, we we um, uh, we're all a little wayward. But Cheryl is pure, and that she has a standard. Nothing over a twelve is allowed to be watched in the house, and even then she's very unhappy about some of the language and. Uh, and so, um, and so, 
it, so we were, we, were, we were sort of going through the movies and going, oh, yeah, that's a bit dark. Oh, that's a bit dark. It looks really cool, though. And, uh, yeah, but we can't watch it, can we? No, okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I thought I left my mother behind a long time ago, but <laughs> mother came with me. <laughs> and there are many dark things. The world knows how to reveal darkness. But God only knows how to reveal light. So when darkness comes and dark times come, God's light always shines. And He created this statute which in the test, in the, in the tabernacle, the lamp must always burn. And that is the oil of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always burning over your life. The Holy Spirit is always bringing His light. Even in the shadows of your world, He is always bringing light. And Jacob comes as the sun has set and he discovers that God's light is beginning to shine. And it says, so he made himself a pillow from a rock. Now, I've slept in some rough places, right? I, I've slept out in the open, I've, but I have never chosen a rock. I can't think of a more hideous choice of thing to sleep on. I mean, you know, it, it maybe, I mean, if it's just desert land, it's not like you can choose, uh, choose kind of like vegetation or something. You know, I've slept on many things that aren't pillows, but I would never. Cho- I would rather sleep my head on the ground than choose a rock. You know, so so all credit to Jacob for choosing a rock. <laughs> <laughs> and, but to be fair, you know, we all have different levels of comfort. Different countries have different levels. I've been to India, and uh, in India they have um, beds which are slightly harder than the ground. And uh, uh, it's probably why they started uh, the bed of nails, lying in a bed of nails. That's where it came from, wasn't it? It was probably relief <laughs> than lying on a normal bed. It was probably, that's how they survive. It's like, you look at, how can you lie on all those nails? It's a lot more comfortable. And, uh, uh, but uh, also in, in Denmark, Denmark have um, these um, square pillows um, that um, have nothing in them. And, uh, I mean, square just messes your head anyway, doesn't it? A pillow should be oblong, right? And uh, everywhere in the world, a pillow is oblong, but not Denmark. No, they've got to have square ones. And, and you puff it up, but there's nothing in it. You put your head on it. And you put your head on it, and then you're lying on the mattress with all the fluffy bits around your face. And, <laughs> and it's just really odd. They do have some... They also have single duvets on double beds. All the married couples go... No, all the married men go... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it probably explains why uh, the, Denmark has a falling birth rate. I don't know, but... It would also explain why Danish men have never suffered the experience of being used as a hot water bottle with the wife's cold feet. But <laughs> it's a whole new sleeping experience in Denmark, I can tell you. But, you know, so people have different kind of comfort levels of what their experience of what they're used to. But Jacob takes this rock and he turns it into a pillow. And I, I want to say to you that, you know, 
we have to take what we have and turn it into what is useful for us. Many people say, but I can't. There was the, the, the widow who said, I, I can't feed you, uh, Elijah, I only have. But Elijah says, what do you have in the house? Oh, I only have a little oil. Well, what you have is what you need to use. Many people say, I can't do this because I don't have. Jacob only had a rock, but he turned it into a pillow where he met with God. He had a rock, he turned it into a pillow. Many people would see a rock and go, I don't have a bed. Pastor Andrew, who's in Thurso, um, when he came, um, we met him in 1990. um, 1995, in fact, I think, uh, 1996, the Christmas of 96, and uh, he was um, just traveling around um, as a New Zealander, backpacking, and he'd come to Aberdeen, was working for a bit, ended up with Christmas, nowhere to stay, so he came and he stayed with us for a little while over Christmas, and then he got himself a job, and then he he, uh, found a place to live, and, and then he decided, having... Um, met Katrina and that he was going to settle down here, that he decided he was going to set himself in business um, doing um, uh, gardening. And, uh, but all he had was a bicycle and a pair of clippers. <laughs> so he set himself up in business. He didn't say, I haven't got. He didn't say, I haven't got it. He took what he had and he made something of it. And and many Christians are wanting God to do something. I need you, God, to do something. But the Bible tells us that we have to do something first. It actually says in in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, it says this, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. It's really depressing that, isn't it? (laughs) By the way, you're about to die. (laughs) <laughs> but, but Solomon is writing here in Ecclesiastes is saying, you can't, the, the, the grave doesn't have anything for you to do. You need to do it now. And you can't look at your life and say, but I can't fix this problem. You can't look at your circumstances and say, but I don't have. You can't look at your bank balance and say, I don't have. How many of you looked at that? I've looked in my bank bag and said, eh. <laughs> Jesus. But what do I have? I have two hands that can work. I have a creative mind that can do something. Do you understand? If you, if you want to turn your darkness into light, you have to start creating momentum in your life that God can steer you. God can't lead a stationary sheep. The sheep has to be moving for God to lead it. He wants to lead you, but if you're not moving, He can't lead you. You would say, well, I might be doing the wrong thing. doesn't matter. You can steer a sheep in the right direction, but if it won't move, it won't move. You get a sheep, you get an, any animal that sticks its feet in and they won't move. My, my neighbours used to have this um, old English sheepdog um, that would sleep outside of our house for three weeks um, 
actually we had two female dogs. So about six weeks of the year, or six, 12 weeks of the year, because every time the female dog came in season, um, out came Buggins, the old English sheepdog, and he would just park himself outside our house as he had um, other intentions. And uh, he, he, was going to, he was going to breed little um, Engli- old English sheepdogs with whatever was in the house. And, uh, and, uh, so he, and you couldn't move him. I mean, Eng- old English sheepdogs are, are quite big, but we had like four of us, the, the, a neighbor who owned it, his two sons and myself, and his sons were big, and we're trying to shift this dog. He wasn't going anywhere. His legs were in, and he was stationary going, I can't move. He's stationary. Do you know what? We've got Christians going around going, I can't move. Well, no, you can't, because you won't. You can't because you won't do something that creates a little bit of movement. And God can lead you in the right direction. Just do something different. I've just set up a business. How many of you know that? I am now the director of a limited company. (laughs) What am I going to do? Do you know what? I have no idea. (laughs) I don't even want to do this thing. I've got Jonathan working with me, full-time. I'm not paying his wage. His dad is. And we've set up this business. And we're going to sell these medical mattresses to anybody who wants one. Anybody who wants one. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I didn't come to Scotland to start up a medical business. But I want to create a financial breakthrough. And so I set up a company that may facilitate that breakthrough. Now, I need God to move in my life. So I have to create momentum for God to move. So, so far, all I've done is I've created a company that means I now, I've also applied for VAT right from day one. I'm not going to be, oh no, we don't need that. I'm going to be like, I'm so, I've got... Uh, company's house on my back, I've got HMRC, I've got, <laughs> I've got the VAT, and I've got all of these responsibilities for which we are, I'm now responsible for. Why? Because I want momentum. Yeah. Momentum, I need God to lead us through challenging seasons. And to lead us through, I need the word from God. And to break through. And I know God can cause breakthrough. I don't want to be a director of a company, but I do want to prosper. And I have creative ability. I have a mind. uh, Most of the time, I have (laughs) an ability to communicate. And so I want to use what I've got and see what God might do with me, that his purposes may be established through my life. Can you see? We have to turn. We have to turn the dark places into the house of God. This is where Jacob took a rock and he turned it into a pillow. You see, in Joshua chapter 5, we come to a story of, of Joshua where he's leading the children of Israel and he's led them, he's come through, he's done the whole journey through the desert, he's done the 40 years, he's been faithful to God and they've had their sort of epic battles but they come to the battle, the defining place, Jericho. 
Jericho, if they can't do Jericho, they can't do the promised land. This is it for them. And Joshua is at that point where he's looking at Jericho, which is walled city, and he doesn't know how this thing is going to work. And so he's standing there, and he's brought the children of Israel to it. And he says in Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and behold, looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? But he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, here's where the Christian's life stops making natural sense because this is where God starts to move. This is when God starts telling us to do things that doesn't add up in the natural world. It's like tithing. It doesn't add up. All right? Naturally, we say, yeah, I want to be rich. I've just gave 10% of my money away. I want to prosper. I'm just going to give it away. Now, actually, a lot of people in the world understand that. But in a, in a, if you start adding it up, it doesn't make sense. But... Joshua is in this place where he's brought, he's created momentum, but he doesn't know how to break through. He's got the momentum, but he doesn't know how he's going to get through that wall city. And he sees a man with a sword, and he's got that much kind of fear, confusion, doubt. He sees a man with a sword, and so he's questioning, Are you with me? Are you for me? Are you for them? And this is what the angel says. I'm not for either of you. I'm for God. And that is where our life has to take a defining statement. We create momentum and at the point when we face the greatest challenge, we turn and we say, This is not my battle. I am for God. Joshua was saying, are you for me? This is my battle. And the the commander of the army of the Lord's angels says to him, yeah, I'm sorry. This is actually nothing to do with you. This is to do with God. And this is a holy place. This is God's house. See, Joshua discovered at the foot of Jericho's walls, that that's where God's house was. That was the holy place. See, the holy place is where you meet with God, where God creates the breakthrough. The holy place, this is a holy place because we're gathered together. It's a holy place. God is with us. It's a holy place. But the holy place where you find your breakthrough is under the foot of the wall that you cannot break through. It's when you meet with God. And what does the commander of the army say to Joshua? He says, worship God. 
This is where our thanks and our praise begins to break through. Joshua gets his revelation when he begins to praise. Joshua gets his breakthrough when he begins to praise at the house of God in the hard place. And you know, we have many hard places in our lives. But the key is coming back to that place and knowing that his light that never stops shining is leading us to a place of worship. We've created momentum, and now we're going to praise. we created momentum, and now we're going to thank you, Lord. The children of Israel may be looking at it going, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't, I don't want to die. I want to win. But I want my promised land, but I don't know what to do. We spend our life going, I want to get over there, but I don't want to lose what I've got here. If I go over there, I might lose what I've got over here. Isn't that wonderful? See, what happens is that we, we, we get caught in this place. And, and Joshua, he had this momentum, but he didn't quite know how to maximize it on it. And God says to him two things you need to understand. Number one, at that point of your hard place, that's God's house. Your hard place, that's God's house. Number two, in God's house, you worship me. God's place. In my house, you worship me, says the Lord. In my house, you worship me. You don't say, in my house, God, what about the mountain? What about the problem? What about the darkness? What about, we don't deal with those things in the house of God. What we do in the house of God is we thank God for the breakthrough that is coming. And that, is what changes our lives. You know, I really want us to be a, uh, a church that comes into a place where we are just so free in worship, free to praise Him, even in our darkest days. One of the things that grieves my heart more than anything is that people say, they come and they say to me, you know what, going through a difficult time at the moment, so we're just going to take a few weeks off church to get it sorted. Like, yeah, I'm not sure that's the right place to be. From church? I think you need to be in church. In fact, I think if you're going through a challenging time, I'd suggest you just come in here during the week and sit down and pray. And come in when it's not being used and pull a chair up on your own and start going, God, I worship you in this place. I need you. People, they do the same when they're struggling with their relationship. I'm really struggling with my relationship. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have time apart. Well, you know what? If you're married, it's not time apart you need. It's time together. Because the time together you've had hasn't had the communication and you need to change that. We need time with God. And that will lead us into a greater breakthrough. We need time to worship him, time to lift him up, time to say this is holy place. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.